0: Uh, the Chinese statistics is not reliable, so you you can never tell. That's, that's what, what I think it's likely to be uh, that uh, that uh, kind of that kind of level, uh, because of the currency is strong, and uh, and the U.S. dollar, uh, the, the U.S. is entering uh, uh, the stagflation also. So I think that the U.S. is gonna, probably going to be like two percent or less, and the inflation four to five percent like china so uh, because of the currency peg between china and the us so we're going to see similar inflation rate
1: mm. the, the the um the china foreign exchange committee um, was talking about a limiting bank speculative fx trading is that a sign because the yuan is at a what a six-year high now against a basket of currencies is this a sign that maybe uh, the the authorities are getting concerned about the strength yeah of the I, I think
0: that the, uh, the, the yeah, there's a speculative inflow buying Chinese uh, 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 bonds. So, government bonds are being bid up by uh, foreign capital. And that money is really, But first is the US, US uh, uh, bond yields are really low. The second is that uh, people expect the Chinese currency to, currency to appreciate. And that is because of the trade surplus is so high and it's still rising. This year is like to be $700 billion. Chinese trade surplus is like to be $1 trillion. Uh, every year for many years to come. So there will be pressure. So there will be a problem of uh, where to park the dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the limiting, uh, capital inflow increasing will be a policy, uh, for, 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 for the government. Uh, but in, in the end is that, uh, the, uh, the China needs to clean the house, uh, make sure the property ma- market is healthy mm-hmm. and the shadow banking system is taken care of. Then you can appreciate the currency. Okay. That's the way to solve the, uh, the uh, surplus dollar issue.
1: Okay, Andy, thanks very much for your thoughts. That's independent Shanghai-based economist Andy Sher. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets, the SX200 uh, off about 0.7% now down in Australia, the Nikkei 225 in Japan uh, down about 0.4%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 140 points lower. Gold is slipping in Asian trading at $77.72 a barrel. Uh, sorry, that's Brent crude oil at $77.72 a barrel. Gold is at $1,846 an ounce. Do please join me again tomorrow morning. Stay tuned for Back Chats with Jim Gordon, and Paul Zimmerman. The weather forecast, cloudy, few rain patches. Uh, temperatures are going to remain about 20 degrees um, at first cool and very dry tomorrow. Temperature right now is 19 degrees, 92% relative humidity.
2: 8.32 and a half, his Andy Shorsky with the half-hour news. Health officials say the lockdown of an apartment building in Discovery Bay has ended and no confirmed COVID cases have been found as of midnight after testing about 270 residents. Jovial Court in Peninsula Village was locked down after a 23-year-old man returning to Hong Kong tested preliminary positive for COVID-19 at the airport. His sample tested negative on November the 13th, the day before he left for the U.S., he has COVID symptoms and is carrying a mutated strain. A mainland team of experts checking Hong Kong's pandemic control measures has visited a range of facilities on the second day of their visit. They toured the restricted area of the airport and were briefed about the segregation of arrivals from overseas and the mainland. They also visited North Lantau Hospital Hong Kong Infection Control Center and the Penny Bay Quarantine Center and a Tung Chung Restaurant to study the restrictions applying to the catering sector. China has downgraded its diplomatic relations with Lithuania after Taiwan authorities opened an office in the Lithuanian capital, Vilnius, using the name Taiwan. The foreign ministry says its move was to safeguard China's sovereignty and the basic norms of international relations. Beijing said Lithuania had abandoned the One China Commitment when May made when ties were established. In response, Lithuania said it regretted Beijing's decision and reaffirmed its adherence to the one-China policy, but added that it had a right to expand cooperation with Taiwan, including non-diplomatic missions. There have been clashes between police and protesters in the Belgian capital, Brussels, at a large demonstration against coronavirus restrictions. The security forces used tear gas and water cannon after some protesters threw fireworks at police. The BBC's Danny Eberhardt has this report. What began as a peaceful march soon degenerated. Some protesters
3: threw fireworks at police. Others vandalized police vans. Officers responded with tear gas and water cannon. Belgium has just brought in new measures in the face of a sharp rise in coronavirus infections. Many oppose the use of Belgium's Covid pass. Others object to plans to make vaccinations for health workers
2: compulsory. Anger, it seems, is close to the surface, as seen in recent days in the Netherlands and Austria too. Iranians have held another protest against water shortages two days after a similar protest on a bigger scale in Isfahan. This time, more than 1,000 people took to the streets of Shah Kord, the regional capital of the western province of Shahar Mahal Bakhtiari. They chanted slogans, denouncing the diversion of their local water resources to other regions. And that's the news from RTHK.
3: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Paul Zimmerman. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, uh, work visas and conditions for domestic helpers. Uh, this after the Immigration Department recorded more than 4,400 suspected cases of so-called job hopping by foreign domestic helpers between January and October this year. It has also turned down more than 1,700 visa applications in the same period, many more than last year. Officials said they would work to counter the practice of helpers prematurely terminating their contracts or deliberately getting fired in order to work for someone else with better pay. But support groups have said the helpers are being unfairly singled out for seeking better working conditions. And later in the programme we're talking about the newly revamped century old underground reservoir in Shepkit May. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, BackChat on RTHK Radio three. Email us at BackChat at RTHK.hk or give us a call on two double three-double eight two double six. And we're joined uh, now on the line by uh, Cynthia Abdon-Teljez, General Manager of the Mission for Migrant Workers. And also, until 8.55, we have with us uh, Thomas Chan, who's Chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. Um, um, Thomas Chan, um, uh, good morning. Uh, We'll start with you, if we can, because I know you're only with us for a a limited period this morning. Um, Hello, Good morning. Um, so, this, morning. this, this, uh, these figures that we've uh, that we've seen uh, in the media are released by the immigration department. Um, how much of a problem is this uh, so-called uh, job hopping by domestic helpers?
4: Yeah, I think uh, this is a controversial issue uh, in the society. Uh, some employers' groups, of course, they will support this idea, and workers' groups, of course, they object. Even we seen uh, among the employment industry, uh, it comes close with a mixed reaction. Uh, from my idea, I think uh, this time, uh, immigration is wrongly used the term job hoppers to describe the premature termination. Mm-hmm. By using this term, it means or it indicates all sorts of all force of determination comes from the workers. Of course, that's not true. Uh, today, I think I would like to talk about from the macro point of view yeah. about this issue. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. The first one I want to, 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 to question or to ask, because uh, from immigration, the press releasing, or even labor department's uh, circulation to the agency, we don't see any clear definition of job hopping. What does it really mean? Uh, Is it the termination of the contract is job hopping? I don't think so, because there are too many reasons or factors leading to the termination of the contract. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the second is I can't see any legal base for job hopping. Uh, Legal base prohibit or to ban workers from transfer employers. Even from basic law or the employment contract, there is a term stating workers or Hong Kong residents they are allowed to choose the occupation or change the employer. I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the change of the employer becomes a taboo, becomes a sin, something like that. And then number three, I want to talk about from the social cost. I think uh, immigration really overlook this one, the the social cost. When all workers transferring employment were sent back to their country, sent to Philippines or sent to Indonesia, actually the cost of to employer increased rather than decreased. The employer... If they hire someone, they have to pay extra quarantine costs. The poor available for employer to choose or to select becomes less. Then further increase the competition between employers to fight for a worker. Because the one they have to choose is fewer than before. If all workers were sent back home, they have to pay much more agency fee, they have to pay even higher salaries to attract the workers. And then they have to wait for more, longer time for the workers to come back from Philippines or from Indonesia.
5: Which is exactly the case right now, isn't it? I mean, right now we have um, uh, a shortfall. I mean, there has been a a report in shortfall. People have a problem finding domestic helpers currently because of the COVID rules.
4: Yes, and then uh, the other one, actually, for, for immigration, uh, last year, when they took a temporary measure to allow workers to transfer employers, the main reason is they want to prevent people being infected in their country or region. But now the situation actually remains the same. They suddenly change. It means you send the people to the infected area and then let them to come back to Hong Kong. What's the
3: mentality behind? I don't really understand. We we should uh, stress that uh, we're talking about uh, a small percentage of cases here. Uh, The figures show that uh, 340,000 visas were approved for foreign domestic helpers uh, in the first 10 months of the year, and uh, that included uh, uh, 10,000 cases of premature termination of uh, contracts, so it 's a small proportion uh, isn 't it and, and of those ten thousand um, roughly roughly half uh, or f- four thousand or so cases were according to the immigration department uh, suspected uh, uh, job hopping. I think one of the allegations is that um, some helpers a small case okay, small number um, de- deliberately get fired so that they can then take up a job with another employer who 's going to pay more. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas Chan?
4: Hello? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were talking to Cynthia. Okay. That, uh, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll uh, bring
3: in Cynthia in a moment. Yeah, but. Uh, okay,
4: uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, for, for those reasons listed by immigration, uh, only few of them are true, but most of them is not true. Because according to my experience or my members' experience, most of the termination quotes, uh, as I just mentioned before, are uh, too many reasons. And then. Uh, for workers, most of them, if they, if they are the ones initiated to resign, it's because they also think or they, they can feel the working environment not really fair to them or not mm. friendly to them. That's why they, they, they make a decision to resign. But mm. by resignation, actually, the workers, they are paying for, for, for the, some kind of cost they lost the time to earn the money because they, even they get the new visa, it takes about two week, uh, two months to wait. So there's no or not enough motivation for them to do the resignation. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you just blame the worker, uh, they are doing something uh, deliberately to terminate the contract.
0: Mm-hmm. It means
4: for the employment relationship, because we, we can't guarantee or we, there is impossible. All employment relationships are in a good terms. That's why termination is one of the solutions to the bad employment relationship. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if worker they do it in some way to terminate the contract, right? That's the way to to get out of, of this bad relationship. Okay. It's like the employer. If employer they find worker can't improve the working skills. They also terminate and change another one. That, that, that's the normal way for market force to, to change, to adjust to the good employment relations.
5: So if oh. you go back to Cynthia, then. Uh, Cynthia, is, is money an Hi. issue for people to uh, to move from one job to another job? I mean, is, is, is it the main reason?
6: That's, I would say, that's ridiculous. Because truly they lose more when they do that two months with no income, even if for those who are being uh, accused of receiving, say, 1000 2000 um, uh, extra money from the agencies. How, uh, really, how, how is that related? How would that relate to 9260 for a two-month um, salary? And then you have to uh, send remittances to your family. You have to keep your, you know, ensure yourself upkeep while waiting for the visa. Where do you stay? You know, how do you, how do you spend food? How, where do you get money for food? That's not enough to, to sustain you. So, I mean, immigration should be more considerate in approving contracts because it also helps employers as well, as was mentioned earlier. Uh, you have employees would have less expense, longer, uh, less waiting period, less danger of COVID nineteen. Why do they criminalize such an act? Because that is in tantamount to criminalizing migrant domestic workers when they say, "Oh, they really want to um, uh, job hop because immediately they have an." lawyer. You see, you cannot afford to be jobless as a family uh, breadwinner Mm -hmm. because your your family is waiting for that, for your remittance. Sure. They are working themselves.
5: Is there a shortfall, Cynthia, is there a shortfall of domestic helpers in, uh, in Hong Kong right now? I mean, that's, that's, that's the story that goes around, that there are not enough domestic helpers in Hong Kong, that this is pushing up the salaries and then people through job hopping are benefiting from an increase in salary. That's kind of the storyline that goes around. Is that true?
6: That's not even true. There may be some employers who appreciate I would say they appreciate the value of domestic work. That is why they they offer higher salary. But that's not always true. Those who who come to us and say they lose their jobs and then they found another one, they still have to get a minimum wage. And that's the the, the more, I don't know, you can ask uh, Mr. Thomas, but that's, the so people who come to us who lost their jobs and found employers would have the similar um, uh, minimum allowable wage. They start from that. There are those who are offered like 5000 or 6000 Maybe there are, and I would appreciate that because living wage is really more than that. So if you are someone who is losing her job, who is having difficulty in your living and working condition, you do not immediately think of changing or leaving the employment. Why do they say, oh, because um, immigration would say, oh, because you immediately have an employer. Of course, you have to secure your future. Find a prospective employer first. Explain your situation before terminating your contract.
2: And, and right now, is you it have, easy? See, you
6: have to put up with that bad-tempered boss, yelling employer, irritable grandma, words who, are uncouth, who have uncouth behavior, especially during COVID. We understand some people are short-tempered. They pick on someone weaker than they are. And migrant domestic workers are targets of attack. Sure, yes, sure, so sure. I understand, I understand. Cynthia. Can I, you you can I ask you then?
5: Can I ask you then? Is it is it easy to find a job right now as a domestic helper? If you want to change uh, employer and you know the things that are uncomfortable and the relationship is not working, is it easy to find another job right now?
6: It's not that, yes, that easy. They might f- be able to find one, but you see, you still have to uh, ma- make them meet each other. Uh, you sure, know, sure, there's a, there's means, a t- but there the number of jobs available. There, there are de- requirements. Yeah,
5: no, no, I understand the requirements, but I mean in terms yeah. of is, there, is the market such that it's easy to find a job right now that are not enough yes, domestic helpers?
3: That's maybe true. so, maybe okay. so, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Thomas Chan?
4: Yes, uh, yeah, because of the, the very serious gap between the demand and supply. So uh, as what I mentioned many times, actually right now in the market, For every worker, there are three to five employers waiting. That's why employers are fighting with employers. Remember, employers are fighting with employers for a worker. That's why they are willing to offer some more. If they just offer the minimum salary, sometimes it's quite difficult for them to get the right candidate. So employers are the ones to push up the salary. They are the ones to increase the salary to attract the workers. And then the the key the key issue is the supply never meets the demand because of the government's control of the arrival of the new workers from Philippines or from Indonesia.
3: Yeah. Uh, so so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The um the minimum salary is currently $4,630 for domestic yes. helpers. Yes. Yeah. And and um, so what is this uh, competition and this shortage what is it doing to salaries? I mean how much can a, a domestic helper now uh, expect to earn on average would you say? Thomas? When
6: you say what do they expect when yeah. when there was a, a study of how much should be the minimum allowable wage the demands of the migrant domestic workers were organized is more than 6,000.
5: Oh, that's what they hope to be paid. That's what they hope, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course,
6: uh, Mr. uh, Thomas might be able to respond to that in terms of how much really is the rate now, running rate now. But to us, if I may say again, those who are coming by are really still willing to accept the minimum wage as long as they are treated well.
5: Sure, sure. And, so and, that, and, and yeah. the minimum wage, was, when was this set? How many years are we around Two that Two years level? ago. Yeah, but we've That's been around this 4,000, 4,500 level for many, many years as far yes. as I can recall. Yes, correct. So, and there's been a, there is a 5% inflation in the Philippines at the moment. Yeah, and that's every year. So the amount that's of true. money when yeah. you send money back, it it pays, it buys less. Uh, yes. uh, Thomas, is is the price going up? I mean, um, is the average wage that people are willing to pay going up beyond the uh, minimum wage?
4: Yeah, according to my uh, observation, most of employers actually they are willing to increase a little bit uh, to the workers. How much? And uh, I think normal for the normal prices right now is about five thousand five hundred to six thousand. Of course some employers they are still over the minimum and workers still accept the same salary uh, and that, that's the market anyway that's the market force uh, yes when both parties are willing everything's fine yes
5: i agree so so the government really tries to suppress the market here by threatening uh, making these threatening comments but that um, might have, might be counterproductive because you may have fewer people available exactly, in the market
4: exactly. yeah. the government Every everywhere in the world, when the government steps in interfere, the things becomes m- much messy. <laughs> mm, mm, mm.
3: Okay, okay. So, um, so h- how in, in terms of handling uh, visa applications? Um, what do you think of the uh, performance of the immigration department? Um, I mean, quite a few applications uh, have been refused in recent months, um, like, say, um, um, many more so than last year. So what's your assessment of that, uh, Thomas Chan, uh, uh, just in the last couple of minutes before you have to leave us? Yeah, uh,
4: immigration, they, yeah. They, they have a very sharp turn of the practice since last year, they try to take a lenient attitude approach to the workers, but uh, since October this year, I mean only last month, they changed the policy or practice very sharply, and then uh, try to drive the workers out of Hong Kong. Uh, I, I think it's under the pressure of employers' group. Uh, we can understand employer, but uh, I, as I. Just mentioned a while ago, employer they might think this can help the situation, but finally it goes the other way.
5: So why are the employees' group fighting this? I, I don't understand that. The, um...
4: uh, because for some employer, for personal maybe uh, personal feeling, okay, if you terminate it, uh, if you resign, I will not let you work. That's only personal hostage. And then for some employers, they might think, okay, if you have a bargaining power with me, okay, I will write. Right across to immigration to destroy or ruin your future. That, that's only for personal hostage. It doesn't really uh, serve in, in the society. Uh, for immigration, I, uh, final conclusion, I would like to say uh, for the scenario where the chief immigration officer uh, blaming <laughs> workers or blaming or termination to workers by job hopping. In the high profile, I would say I feel terrified because it's a senior government officer controlling the public power, bullying the vulnerable group of people. That's all.
5: So you're saying the employer groups are pushing for this, uh, these, uh, this new attitude, this renewed attitude of being very strict on the uh, moving. I I think so.
4: Yes. I think so. And you because think,
5: and, and they do that because they think in that way they would um, stop people from leaving and seeking um, a higher pay. But in in fact, it the opposite happens. Uh, the yes, market yes, then it becomes yes. more more complicated for people to hire staff, and other people start paying more. So the market actually then goes up instead of down. Yes.
4: And. So employer they have if all workers go home, employer they have to pay much more for the quarantine, for the time waiting, for the risk of being infected of of the workers.
3: Okay, well, thank you uh, very much for speaking to us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, that was Thomas Chan there, the Chairman of the Hong Kong Union of uh, Employment Agencies. Um, Cynthia abdon Hi. Uh, uh, hi. Um, please uh, st- uh, stay with us for a while longer. I think you can be sure. with us till about, uh, til about 9.15 this morning. Um, um, I would say that we did uh, invite uh, representatives of uh, employers groups uh, onto the programme this morning. Unfortunately, we couldn't find uh, uh, anyone who was available to Uh, Uh to join the programme this morning but uh, um, just if I could just put this to you so there's an organisation called uh, The Support Group for Hong Kong Employers who've uh, said and this was from uh, our uh, RTHK News uh, website the other day um, a group representing employers of foreign domestic workers have said they'd seen uh, an increase in the number of cases of domestic workers seeking dismissal deliberately for compensation and what is your response to that?
6: the compensation that they would get i think that's not also um practical for a domestic worker to be doing that people who are coming from their country arriving in hong kong would be indebted that is very clear because um before even for those who have not paid their uh, agency fees because it's a policy in both Hong Kong, uh, Philippine, and Indonesian governments, but still, the nine more than ninety percent would still be charged of agency fees in many different names or, or, or labels. Um, what happens is that when they are waiting for their uh, flight, they usually are stranded in the city centers waiting for their flight uh, confirmation, and for that, they already, apart from the from the um, debts incurred. Apart from paying agency fees, they have to leave some money for their families. Their upkeep in the city centres makes them also deeply more indebted. Mm. That's why it's, it's very. <laughs> it's expensive um,
5: for your, uh, it's an expensive move. They want to do that. Uh,
6: yes, if they want, then then they come to Hong Kong, unsure of what may happen if you leave your employment mm. simply because you found oh this one is offering a, a good sum of money, but you're not even sure how how immigration would treat your as what is happening now your application for visa as what is happening now. So that kind of and it's very easy to find out that immigration is really uh, very strict on this in the sense that immigration announces job hopping what is job hopping as was you know everyone is quite unsure of what job hopping means Mm. even if a person has been terminated has had contract termination for more than three times in a in a span of two years you will never know until you dig further you dig deeper on what was the situation? But Cynthia, can I ask you? Isn't isn't is, uh, is it not the real situation?
5: Yeah, mm. sure. But is it is not the, the real situation that we have here? Is that when the um, domestic helpers are first employed on the first contract here, they're probably being paid the minimum wage, which is uh, four thousand something. And yeah. uh, the market is around 6000 So it, 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 there must be an inclination for domestic helpers after they arrive here. And it's got to be a, a point of being unhappy with your job. If your friends in around the corner and living next door being paid 6000 and you're being paid $4,500, it has got to be painful. And then all your irritations with the job of things that might not be happy in that family you're working with then becomes a, even more irritating and therefore people are going to seek another job. I mean, it seems to be quite natural to me. Me. Yes. Okay. That's, so,
3: so, sorry. Sorry. Wrong wrong that's that? That, that, that's sorry. Sorry. sorry, to, sorry, sorry Cynthia, I'm sorry. To. We've got to take a break for the for the, for the news. Um, that's a very good question, Paul. We're looking forward to uh, Cynthia Abdontellias' answer, but uh, we have to wait for three minutes until uh, until, hold after, that until thought, after the Cynthia. news Sorry, So hold that thought. Yeah. Quick look at the weather: cloudy with a few rain patches, uh, become a, incre- appreciably uh, cooler, and uh, the outlook uh, cool and very dry tomorrow. And the weather. Getting a bit warmer in the following few days. Currently 19 degrees, humidity 88%. Got
1: to include everything residential areas, commercial areas, services, museums, entertainment, bars, restaurants, airport, port, rail, everything devoted to Bitcoin.
2: The plan is for El Salvador to issue one billion U.S. dollars in Bitcoin bonds to start funding the project. Critics say it is risky. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
3: And Welcome back to Backchat with Paul Zimmerman and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning uh, we're talking about work visas and conditions for uh, domestic helpers. uh, This after the Immigration Department uh, recorded uh, more than 4,400 cases of suspected, uh, what it called uh, job hopping by foreign domestic helpers. And also it turned down the more than 1,700 visa applications uh, uh, during the same period, which was the first uh, 10 months uh, of this year. And that was uh, many more than last year. Um, and to discuss the situation uh, we have uh, with us uh, on the line, uh, Cynthia abdon Telliers uh, General Manager of the uh, Mission for Migrant Workers. Uh, and before nine o'clock, we heard from Thomas Chan, uh, the Chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we did try to get a representative uh, of uh, employers Uh, groups, uh, but we were unfortunately not able to. Nobody was available. And just before nine um, o'clock, Cynthia Abdontelias uh, was about to respond to Paul's question about the difference between the minimum wage for domestic helpers, and the going rate now, which we've established is about $6,000 as opposed to 4630 which is the minimum wage, and what effect uh, that might be having on the market uh, for domestic helpers. Uh, uh, Cynthia Abdontelias, would you uh, like to continue?
6: Um. Um, you, the example that you were saying is that a newly arrived person yeah. who's not being treated well yeah. ha- finds a, a neighbor who has, like, being a paid uh, much, much higher than mm-hmm. she. And, uh, of course, practically, you would think of finding someone who would treat you better.
5: Sure. That salary the, is a good indicator.
6: Yeah and what's wrong with that instead of waiting for the time that you'll be you know more uh, abused it's it's a good step for someone for a worker to find ways of leaving that but you make assurance to yourself that when you leave that because there's a family waiting for your support you have to also keep your you know self up upkeep in hong kong while waiting if immigration would allow you sure. so you, you try to find someone else who would consider uh hiring you even if the salary is not that high even if it's still minimum but of course why not higher higher pay so i mean it's natural
5: no no of course there's well, nothing you know, wrong with what? that Cynthia. but so when when did this gap between the what People are willing to pay and what the government has set as a minimum. There were for many, many years. I mean, I've been here 37 years and then I, I, I yeah. cut, I, yeah. Yeah, I've been here well, a long time. So, and, and it was always the case that what was paid was what the government had set as a minimum. That was, there exactly, were very few people who yeah. were paid more. These days, there is yeah. more of a gap between the minimum wage and what people are willing to pay. So when did that start, that the market start to go and pay is more than the minimum.
6: I think when um, already there are employers who are paying much more than the minimum. Sure, people, but would because of COVID, because mm-hmm. of the uh, government policy, when when it. Uh, it had a more lax uh, policy for several months last year there were a lot of employers who and, and migrant domestic workers who stayed on and were able to move from one employer to another and their contracts were approved and um, when immigration is strictly imposed the two-week rule again two-week rule is still always there always been there, but the consideration was given to employers who really need uh, help very badly. So that's why immigration became lax a little bit. But um, it has been there, and it is now more strictly imposed, and with that threat of job hopping again, um, it made the situation of domestic workers worse, because we we have shelters. Temporary shelters for displaced women, domestic workers, who have been waiting for their visa for a long period of time. When I say long period of time, that means months, several months. And they're just very stuck. Some of them are not paid because before they would be able to get, you know, paid by the previous employer, if the previous employer refuses to pay them and they found a new employer, it's better
5: to process your new contract okay so we have
6: because immigration
5: do we have more people in in shelters make a
6: decision
5: do we have more cynthia do we have more people in shelters right now oh yes it much more it says has an increased much more than before or less um
6: 10 shelters with the capacity of like uh 10 to to 30. and you're full and we're full.
5: And this is and this so
6: we is have increased. To support others who are outside, hmm. you have to you have to study their situation to be able to, you know to be able to decide whether you're going to help this person or not. Everyone who is, you know, out of you know without a roof on their heads, would are, are in crisis because they could not leave Hong Kong immediately.
5: Okay, so the situation that we're having is that the market, we don't have enough domestic helpers for the, to meet the demand. Uh, there's, it's difficult for domestic helpers to come in uh, or, and get the visas approved. And salaries are going up. I mean, that seems to be quite a normal situation then. And government mm-hmm. is trying to stop... Yeah, yes. um, uh, Even
6: if there are... It, it, it's very ironic, no? Because there is a very limited number of people who are around, uh, I mean, domestic workers who are free, but immigration would still... Um, uh, make
5: it more difficult.
6: Uh, yes, make it more difficult for them. So, and and one of the things that we noticed is you are at the mercy of the previous employer. If your previous employer didn't want you, you won't you won't get it. Mm-hmm. Immigration so, would check and say, "Oh, your previous employer says this," and then you have to be um, uh, defensive yourself to say you have to defend yourself, saying, "No, this is what happened." So,
5: so this but, is pushing but up but the what salaries.
6: Immigration, sorry,
5: and this is pushing up the salaries.
6: Yes. Just pushing up the salary because even if there are like ten people around and you only need one, but they are not allowed because they were already like marked in the immigration. They are criminalized. I think that's the problem. I think immigration should be more considered. Why do you criminalize people who are just looking for a better situation, mm-hmm. better paying job? Mm.
3: Okay, uh, a couple of emails here. This one from Mark says. Uh, with the subject line Hong Kong free economy question marks says, uh, doesn't Hong Kong brand itself as a free economy this is market uh, uh, interface is that, inter- is that the right word well market, market interference, interface. Yeah, a- interference by a government that mm. attacks and exploits the weakest that's and, um, what
5: it's being tried here, but mm-hmm. obviously the market is running ahead of what the government wants to see as being yeah. paid four thousand yeah. six hundred to six thousand now.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, and uh, another one from GT says, uh, uh, "Just a question, very short question: What is the average salary in the Philippines?" Not quite sure what the point of that uh, question yeah. is, but yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what, yeah. Is, what, what, just People to answer his question: What is what is the average state salary from one to another? Because yeah.
6: they want, you know, I mean, I, they, they need economically they are there. they need that the family needs that so why do you stop them i can understand middle class income families in hong kong but they, shouldn't they call for a better pay as well i mean you know if you are a worker and you want a worker or an employee who is hiring a migrant domestic worker why don't you also call for a high, uh, for a uh, a rise a pay rise
5: yeah the market because, is like that we got yeah, inflation then, all around everybody is in
6: if you're depressed if you suppress the income of domestic workers that does not that makes uh, you know the the government also uh, depress or depress suppress the income of the general public
3: mm-hmm. yeah um, also uh, th- there are problems for a, a lot of families obviously who who are not able to hire uh, domestic helpers at the moment, or not immediately anyway, because of uh, c- because of COVID restrictions and quarantines and uh, and a shortage, yeah. and that yeah. and that has exactly. a, that has a big effect on on families where uh, both parents are obliged to go to work in order to uh, to. Earn enough to make ends meet, and
5: those who have grandparents around and 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 small children to to be looked after. I mean, it 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 doesn't help society if uh, if Hong Kong uh,
3: cannot have a a more open and free market
5: for domestic helpers.
3: Yes. How how do you think that shortage of domestic helpers should be addressed?
6: I think I think there are a lot of. Depending on, on the immigration, because we do not know what their grounds are. We do not know how they define, as we were saying earlier, we do not know how they define job hopping. Sometimes they don't even say it's job hopping. They would just say that based on this, uh, on, on our study of your case, uh, because we are not allowing you, so you have to go on in in such and such date. You have to leave Hong Kong. But you ask them why is it so. In our cases, we have like more than a few hundred cases that is, uh, saying that they have not been allowed. There was only one who was, who was told that it may be job hopping. I, we suspect you of job hopping because your previous employer wrote to us and this is the situation. So you tell your, even if employers, the prospective employers are willing to hire and take the risk of hiring this person whose previous employer says, She's bad, she's this, 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 and that. And the, and the prospective employer is still willing to take the risk. Why not? Still, immigration would not allow them. Mm-hmm. But so, the
5: job-offering is, is a healthy thing, isn't it? Uh, you have some flexibility is, in the yes. market. If people are stuck in a job and you're stuck in an unhappy job, you're going to get all kinds of family problems.
6: That's true. How, how, why won't you like? What would an employer not like? Um, a happy worker that attends your household creates a happy atmosphere. Even grandmas and grandpas and children are happy. Imagine how it would welcome you when you return from a happy cozy home from from a very bad situation in the in the office for example so um, I think you know it Immigration has to think. They have to be more considerate. They have to study further. We can understand their priority would be the employers. That's fine, that's their people. But still, they are allowing people from outside to work. And so they deserve similar, you know, hmm. uh, consideration to these people.
5: Cynthia, do you have a, a, a communication with the employer associations? I mean, is there some direct communication between both sides uh, outside the radio program?
6: There are some employers, of course. We have an employer hotline. We also have programs for um, information that employers may need. Mm. So we have that kind of program. Um, We also have Happy Homes. You know there are there are very good employers who recognize the value of migrant domestic workers, so they treat their workers well. They give uh, they give higher income, living a, real, a living wage level. So we appreciate that. So we have the Happy Homes uh, uh, Awardees, as we say it because they are just quiet. They have to you know they have to show even even if their even if their workers are receiving the minimum wage, I got well, they are happy. Okay. There's okay. no Thanks, way. Not. There's nothing that they, they, that would push them to change that.
5: It right. seems to but be uh, course, counter counterproductive. This uh, uh, government
3: rule trying yeah, to fight. Uh, yeah. I um, hope they
6: can. They would realize that.
3: Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us uh, on the program this thank morning, you. Uh, Cynthia yeah. Abdontellias, the general manager of the Mission for Migrant Workers good and for the last uh, 15 minutes or so of the program this morning we're going to be turning our attention to our second topic and that is the uh, the renovation work that's been uh, taking place at the uh, century old uh, underground reservoir that was discovered uh, about a year ago in uh, in bishop hill in shepkit may you may remember that uh, partial demolition mm. had begun uh, on finished, the site the until well um, we've we've seen some pictures published in the south china morning post where, mm. where a, 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 there's a glass roof has been placed over Come it and, and what looks like artificial grass and, uh, and, uh, and access routes and there's talk of the site being uh, opened uh, to the public on a, on a limited basis well, uh, love fairly sound soon. To see it yeah. but, um, it sound, all sounds uh, pretty interesting and uh, we have with us now in our Admiralty studio uh, Fredo Cheung who's uh, a heritage uh, conservationist and uh, former vice president of the Hong Kong Institute of uh, Architectural Conservationists. Uh, good morning to you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, so, uh, hello, hi, can you hear us okay? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, good, good, good. Um, so, uh, wh- wh- what's your assessment of uh, what's been uh, taking place at this uh, historical site
7: in Shepkitme. Well, so far from what um, I've seen, it's actually quite promising because um, I, um, looking at the structure, they kept it fairly simple. So they adopted the minimum approach, and um, if we look at the structure itself, it's actually made out of steel. So in other words, it's also reversible. So if it's deemed necessary in the future to take it apart and then to dismantle it, then it, you know, it's possible to actually reverse, to actually revert the site to its original state. Mm-hmm. So I think the, on the surface, it seems that it's met some of the very basic requirements of heritage conservation.
5: But the damage was not uh, re- uh, repaired, isn't it? I mean, they, they left the hole that that has occurred, and they haven't uh, filled the, uh, filled it back in or repaired the structure.
7: Yeah, and um, I think, in a way, it's actually um, making the best of the situation. And then, um, because the damage has already been done, and um, I think a, I think a preservationist approach would actually be what may not actually be the way forward because it's essentially sealing up the space again making it an underground structure and then which makes accessibility difficult and also no light and no light yes and so i think in a way you can see that it's actually making the best use of the situation Mm. you know working with what you've got and then being honest about the mistake which has been made so
3: what would you say is the, the architectural and uh, conservation value of uh,
7: a structure like this? Well, I actually hesitate to use the word architecture because, strictly speaking, this is a piece of infrastructure. And uh, it's one of the gripes which I have with the um, current assessment uh, mechanism, you know, which actually is only catered to assess architectural you know, heritage, not whereas engineering. in this, yeah, in this case, this is a piece of infrastructure, it's an engineering. So mm. using that system, and which also explains why, you know, the initial um, um, situation where um, this structure was largely overlooked because it's a piece of infrastructure and not architecture. Do we have more of these uh, reservoirs that uh,
5: we haven't uh, b- broken up yet? Because, I mean, I hear stories from uh, other reservoirs, in, uh, including one in Pengshan, the, uh, 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 that, was, that, was, that has disappeared at Coat Wall Road. Uh, that, uh, when that was still there, it had a beautiful in, uh, tiles on the inside that, that, was bro- that was taken away. I mean, they have disappeared over time, all these reservoirs. Are there still some around that are in, the, in good original state that uh, we can open
7: up? I think there are quite a few, but um, but unfortunately, many of them are actually still in use. So, or um, that's unfortunate, or uh, we can't well, look ins- we can't go inside. Yeah, because it's a piece of infrastructure, and it's still you know in use, so it's accessibility is almost impossible. And so, I think um, Bishop Hill is probably the best example we have where you know you can actually allow public access.
5: Oh, okay, so that's that's a good that's a benefit of the mistake. Now that's right. Now we can have a look inside.
3: <laughs> so so this um, this facility is described well the the architecture within it the the technique for constructing it is uh, described as uh, Romanesque. Can you uh, explain that to us uh, a little bit? Is, 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 I mean, is that is that how they used to do it in the days of the Romans?
7: Well, I would say that. Um Yes and no. But um, yeah, I think just to be clear, um, the kind of technique which you see um, is actually, you know, it's been done in that way for centuries. So basically, using arch structure to span across a large area and then so and also to provide, you know, um, a large area for the retention of water. So, I mean, this technique has been used for centuries. I mean, it dates back to the Roman. And also the, um, I mean, examples like the Cisterna Basilica um, um, are very good examples of, you know, this kind of technology. And it dates back centuries. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what makes it Romanesque is that rusticated masonry construction, which you see. So by rustication, I mean the uh, sort of the rough hewn finish, which really uh, gives that space character and which makes it very distinct. And we call it Romanesque because, you know, this kind of rough human masonry first manifested itself in the construction of ancient Rome. So this was a technique which they used for infrastructure, such as aqueducts. Mm. And hence, you know, they, we see this term Romanesque being thrown around. But in the context of, let's say, um, the, I think the time frame when this reservoir was constructed, I think it would be more appropriate to call it Romanesque revival, mm. even though I hesitate to use styles.
5: What are the materials used in, um, in in constructing this reservoir?
7: I think the arches are, as I said before, um, granite. Um,
5: Lo- locally
7: locally carved. sourced granite. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, rough hewn, and um, I think the vault itself is made of. I, th- I believe it's concrete.
5: Yeah. So, so it's the concrete. Uh, the rooftop.
7: So it's concrete. I think it's yeah. I think it's concrete. Mm-hmm. Um yeah
3: so going back to the to well to this particular site bishop hill um are you kind of satisfied with the, the 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 way the the preservation effort has gone because um originally it was just going to be knocked down wasn't it and it was only when uh, it was partially demolished that uh, that it came to public attention and there was a, there was a bit of an outcry and then um uh, the uh the government uh, stopped the demolition and, um, and moved into this uh, preservation mode.
7: Yeah, I hesitate to actually use the word preservation because it's static. Right. Uh, I, the, I prefer to use the word conservation, and mm-hmm. I think that's really where the next step should be. Mm. So how do you make this space relevant to the local community Yeah, and not just the uh, community at large? Because I think the, when we talk about conservation nowadays you know especially when in the um i think in with international best practices you know the notion of sustainability is actually closely tied with conservation so it's about making that space relevant to the local community mm-hmm.
5: i so would love to hear mm-hmm. some music in that space mm-hmm. what do you think that would do you good, good acoustics I, I, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a possibility that yeah. it has yeah. to be tested yeah. out yeah. Yeah. i would yeah. love to hear somebody yeah. play a violin in that yeah. in that yeah. open fold
3: yeah. 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 So so how do you think um, how do how do you think the the site could be uh, uh, opened uh, to the public uh, for you know best enjoyment
7: I think there needs to be careful uh, visitor management because I think what most people have forgotten is t- when we talk about heritage assets there's also the context the site we've actually forgot while well, we focus so much on the reservoir itself we seem to have forgotten about the hill which basically serves as a very important open space for the shepkit May community. And as we know, you know, there's a um, significant um, shortfall of open spaces in the shepkit May area. And the bulk of it is actually Bishop Hill. And, it's, and everybody knows that the community has been basically using that hill as their own backyard. So it's their little piece of heaven.
5: Right, so if a lot of a lot of visitors are being attracted to the to the renovated reservoir. Then we may push out the local uh, uh, residents from their uh, their little public space where they've built their own benches and exercise equipment. And
7: yeah, so for me, you know, that would be my concern because I mean, when we let lots of people, you know, enter this site, you know, it actually encroaches upon the right of the local community to okay. enjoy that space. So how could this be managed? So that would actually be my primary concern at this stage. So following
5: the uh, the, these, uh, the kind of discovery of the reservoir, following the, uh, the construction incident um, or deconstruction incident, uh, the, uh, there have been quite a number of new projects, infrastructure projects uh, uh, put on the list for assessment with the uh, AMO, including uh, uh, the uh, Poc Vlam conduit, um, Stanley Road, uh, the bridges found in the in the hills above Carmel, um, and Shao Wan Road. Some bridges found in the, in the in the hills at Tai Tam. Um, so th- this is this has been the the impact of it. So you, you think we're going to see more projects, uh, heritage project or heritage infrastructure engineering project, being uh, added to the list of uh, uh, for preservation or conservation.
7: Well, certainly, I think there's actually an opportunity to actually redefine what we see as built heritage. Um, I mean, why stop with infrastructure? What about landscapes? I mean, for example, the Hong Kong Botanical Gardens just celebrated its 150th anniversary. I mean, it's historic. So why stop there? I mean, our public spaces, I mean, they're also examples of built heritage, landscapes. And also, I mean, cultural landscapes, like, for example, the Fenling Golf Course. Oh, well, that's a hot topic right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure,
3: sure. Um, Paul, your your area, Potful Lamb, just uh, changing the subject slightly. You've got a project uh, down there, haven't you, with the, with the, the, with the old water the old watercourses. No, po- and- well, the
5: Puffinam mm-hmm. conduit. Uh, right. There was only one of the uh, the, the aqueducts was uh, was uh, protected. That's the one, just below Queen Mary. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, there were many more along the the entire stretch from the Puffinam reservoir to Coldwall Road, mm-hmm. and uh, all of them are now being assessed. They've put they've been added to the list after we discovered all the numbers, uh, being uh, uh, in in the keystones. We we identified mm-hmm. the entire uh, set of uh, of structures that were built. The ones mm-hmm completely gone missing is between Cotwell Road and, uh, the, uh, and Albany, uh, uh-huh. the Botanical Gardens. Right. Um, that, that's, that area, that, that, that right. alignment has, right. has, has disappeared and we can't find any more structures that is, but it's now named concrete road. Right, right, uh, right. That's right. The, old, uh,
3: right. the old, conduct. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll certainly keep an eye on, uh, on developments at, uh, at Bishop Hill and, uh, and other similar sites, um, uh, issues like this are uh, of uh, great interest to uh, to a lot of our listeners. So um, thank you very much to Fredo Cheung there for, for joining us uh, on this morning's programme. Um, Fredo Cheung, a former vice president of the Hong Kong Institute of Architectural Conservationists. Uh, thanks very much. Um, and just before we bring the programme to an end, um, a couple of... Uh, Emails here on the, on the topic we were talking about earlier, and that was foreign domestic helpers. Uh, Alonzo writes, um, "I don't have a foreign domestic helper, but I have heard uh, of some expats that are paying far more than the $6,000 market rate that uh, uh, that you quoted. Uh, indeed, I've heard of monthly salaries of as much as." Eight to ten thousand dollars, and far more for those who drive. Uh, unless there was a huge mismatch between supply and demand, this level of premium would be um, unheard of. Uh, thoughts from your guests. Uh, sorry, Alonso. I didn't get the email until after we'd uh, after we'd said goodbye to our guests on that subject. Um, well, I guess and drivers. Drivers
5: should be people well, if they are domestic helper drivers. But I mean, it's very hard to get an, an, an approval for a, a driving mm. uh, a, a domestic helper who can I drive.
3: Right, right. Mm. OK, OK. Another one here from uh, Pinky. Uh, I don't quite get it. See if uh, 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 It's on the subject of wild boars, which was our main topic on Friday's mm. programme when when, uh, when Janice, Janice was here. Um, Janice Wong's... Uh, so this this is Mark Pinkston writes uh, in the early nineteen seventies the fish and chips department allowed the Hong Kong Gun Club, then presided by the late Stanley Ho, to cull wild boars. Uh, so perhaps uh, perhaps Mark, you'd like to elaborate. Um, well, I mean, it, um,
5: what are you suggesting? you probably what we see in Japan also, where there is some uh, there are some hunting licenses yeah, and yeah. Uh, the culling mm, of mm. Uh, of wildlife with yeah. to a certain range is is, is allowed and, and and the meat is being consumed. Um, we have yeah. some uh, unauthorized meat con- uh, wild boar yeah. consumption up right. in the Northern New Territories and on yeah. some of the islands, especially yeah. for some of the festivals in Hong Kong. Yeah. Still, but much of that has, has disappeared. So, yeah. um, wild boar consumption is is uh, is way down with yeah. the disappearance of all the squatters yeah. and uh, in in Hong Kong. So they've uh, uh, the wild boars have lost all their uh, their enemies. The wild dogs are gone, yeah. and uh, the, the humans who have been shooting them have gone. So yeah. well, uh, that's no, one of the issues. No, no more tigers and leopards. And no more tags, and we're feeding them like crazy. Yeah, with uh, yes. um, so uh, that's uh, that's a problem. Stop feeding the wild boars, and uh, we, they will stay in the vegetated areas, Hopefully and, that they would, be, and they can remain yeah. safe. Right.
3: Okay. Well, thank you very much to, to all our listeners. Uh, thanks to you, Paul. No, uh, No. And, Good. Uh, and uh, just before we go to the news uh, summary and the uh, morning brew. Quick look at the weather. It's going to be cloudy with a few rain patches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll become appreciably cooler. It's going to smell like mothballs and <laughs> the taxis coming up. Right. Uh, moderate to fresh northerly winds, strong offshore. The outlook, uh, cool and very dry tomorrow. Uh, still cool in the following couple of mornings. Uh, temperature difference between day and night will be relatively large. Currently it's 19 degrees, humidity 82%.
2: No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. Let's get vaccinated. The News Summary with Andrew Shirovsky. Belgium has become the latest European country to see violent unrest over COVID restrictions. Protesters and police clashed in Brussels over a march attended by more than 30,000 people. Across the border in the Netherlands, protests are continuing for the third night. Health officials say the lockdown of an apartment building in Discovery Bay has ended and no confirmed COVID cases have been found as of midnight after testing about 270 residents. Jovial Court in Peninsula Village was locked down after a 23-year-old man returned to Hong Kong, tested preliminary positive for COVID-19 at the airport. His sample tested negative on November the 13th, a day before he left for the U.S. He has COVID symptoms and is carrying a mutated strain. And Bloomberg reports that an advisor to the People's Bank of China has warned that the mainland economy could enter a period of what he called quasi-stagflation, characterized by relatively slow growth and excessively high producer price inflation. That's the news at RTHK.
0: Stand by for the brew.
2: Uh, sociology prof from the University of
8: Set and costume
2: design. Great interpreter
8: of Beethoven. and so a oh so shy, quiet, and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, and not really for kids.
4: Yeah, well, it's fun, you know.
8: Disciple of what's happening behind the myth.
4: Good morning. In-depth interviews and also
0: observations.
8: Absolutely no way.
0: On your radio and live online. This is the Morning Brew.
8: morning to you and welcome to Monday here on the Morning Brew. Our week begins as usual with Robbie McRobbie's high-level rugby report at 1010. At 1040, we're gonna catch up with columnist, author, New York correspondent, of course, Tracy Kwan. At eleven forty today, gonna to meet percussionists. Lewis Hugh, who's also the artistic director. A very cool upcoming multimedia performance, it's called Toolbox Maneuver. It's happening very soon as part of the Jockey Club New Arts Power Festival. Now, Lewis and his team are going to be constructing what they describe as a dreamy and mystifying mindscape of contemporary life. Music, colour, dance, the works. And of course, he'd like to invite you to be there. 12.10, we're off to Vietnam for our bi-monthly check-in with Bureau Chief at Large, Neil Runciman. After a relatively calm couple of weeks there in Ho Chi Minh City, the game of COVID snakes and ladders is once again afoot.